and good morning again. For the first six weeks of this year, we talked about the kingdom of God, we've talked about the kingdom of heaven, about the rule and the reign and the reality of God in this life, in this world, right here, right now, made more accessible, more available to us in the here and now, today and the present, because Jesus came and because Jesus is still with us, because he is present. Jesus, who himself was, bo- was both God and man, who was the intersection of heaven and earth, the overlap of heaven and earth, and so in his self, in his person, in his reality, was the foretaste of a kingdom that is coming, a kingdom that is here, and eventually heaven moving into earth like an invasion. And then after that, after those six weeks on the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, I had planned to start a new series called uh, Love Like Jesus, How to Love Like Jesus, because that seemed to be the central and defining characteristic or trait or reality of the kingdom and of the king itself. And so Jesus, the king of love, reigning over and in and about the kingdom of love. But then during the week following the last message in the Kingdom of God series, things began to change. Our part of the world began to change. Our lives began to change. The virus that was a China thing became a USA thing. The thing that belonged to them now belonged to us. And so last week I pivoted a bit bit again and we talked about loving quarantine people, how Jesus loved a man with leprosy against all convention and all customs and all practice and all good sense and against the law of the time. Jesus not only healed a man with the dreaded and unclean, ceremonially unclean disease of leprosy, but Jesus also touched that man. Jesus reached out and touched him. We know that Jesus could have healed by just speaking a word and that man would have been healed. We knew Jesus could, could heal from far away, even from a different town or community. But Jesus instead chose to touch that man personally. And so Jesus in that event was beginning to show his disciples what the Apostle Paul would later call the most excellent way. And so we talked last week about how Jesus, instead of backing away from sick and outcast people, instead went to them. Instead of keeping a proper distance from quarantined people, Jesus touched them. And now such an act is not just history, but it is a very present reality and possibility and danger and opportunity for us. A week ago last Sunday, just seven days ago, I had been thinking for a couple of days and thought I might bring up the subject of whether or not we might should cancel our summer youth mission trip, a really sort of big event in the life of the congregation, certainly the youth ministry. Should we cancel that trip across the United States to South Carolina? And I was hesitant to even bring up the subject. Two days later, we made that decision. A week ago, a week later, if today we still had that decision to make, it would be a no-brainer. Everything has changed. Everything is changing. We've learned a lot in the past week that we didn't know, like what it means to practice social distancing and how to practice such, which is why we're together online this morning instead of being all together here in the sanctuary. Everything has changed, everything is changing, except for God's Word. God's Word doesn't change, God's Word hasn't changed, Jesus' words haven't changed, what He said hasn't changed, 
None of that has changed or will. And so in search of a rock, in search of a foundation, in, something, in search of something solid that we can stand on, we turn to God's Word now. But first, uh, let's pray together. God, in the storm, help us uh, to find our rock and our solid foundation in you and in your words. On you and next to you, we can stand. Give us eyes to see, ears that are good to hear the things that you would have us know, learn, and receive. Hearts that are good soil to receive your word. Grow in us things that bring you glory and that bring us joy. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. If my words stray or deviate in any way from your word, may they be immediately forgotten. We pray in Christ the Lord. Amen. So I spent two months bouncing around the Gospel of Matthew, and so why stop now? Listen closely as I read from the Gospel of Matthew, starting at chapter 5, verse 13. This is Jesus speaking. This is the Word of God. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, Jesus says to his disciples. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's the purpose. That's the reason. And there's a bit of a pause and a transition in Matthew, and then Jesus continues at verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commandments and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness exceeds or surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness or your goodness surpasses that of the most serious of the Jewish people, students of God's word, you will not enter into the kingdom of God or the reign of God or the reality of God here and now in this life. You will not enter into eternal life. You will not experience life with a capital L, Jesus called it. You will not possess or you will not be possessed by what Jesus called salvation. It's human nature to pay attention to and to keep in play that which we can do well or that with which we agree or that which benefits us or that which is easy for us and then to discount or to minimize or to discard what is difficult for us. But Jesus doesn't permit such. Jesus doesn't lower the bar. Jesus raises the bar in life in one sense. So over and over, over the next 30 verses in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, and he quotes from the Old Testament, he quotes from the law, he quotes the prophets. You have heard that it was said, but I say. You have heard that it was said, but I say. You have heard that it was said, but I say. 
and he continually raises the bar until he finally talks about what it means to love one's neighbor. And he again raises the bar about as high as it can go. And in the last words of chapter 5 of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And of course, Jesus doesn't mean be morally perfect because we know that no person ever has been morally perfect and none of us ever will be morally perfect. The Greek word translated into English as perfect is teleos, which means to be complete, to be completed, to reach one's destination, to go to the heights, to be mature as one is intended to be. And the context in which Jesus says that sentence, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, is in love and specifically loving one's neighbor. Be perfect in love as your Father in heaven is perfect in love. And the word love in the Bible and in the context here, you know we talked about this last week a bit, is not about romance, it's not about feelings, but rather it's a decision and an act of the will to honor another above oneself, to bless another person, to have in mind what is best for another person, to wish another person well, and to act to that end. And to do so wholeheartedly, unreservedly, without any strings attached. Are you with me out there? And all of this is near the beginning of Matthew's gospel, right at the beginning of Jesus' teaching ministry. And now I want to fast forward all the way to chapter 22 in Matthew's gospel, nearing the end of Jesus' teaching ministry. And Matthew records these words that echo what Jesus said early on, Jesus speaking. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And that was like a slow-pitch softball question to Jesus. He's going to nail that one out of the park. It was the easiest pitch they could have given to him. He's going to crush it out of AT&T Park. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your mind and with all of your spirit. It was maybe the best known verse of the Hebrew Scriptures to every Jew, a verse from the book of Deuteronomy that every good and faithful and devoted Jew said, recited every morning when they woke up and every evening as they went to bed. And so Jesus' response was no surprise to the Sadducees and to the Pharisees. But what was a surprise was that Jesus continued. He wouldn't let that be the end of his answer. And so Jesus continued, that is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. Moreover, all the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. These two This is what it's all about. This is what the Scriptures are all about, Jesus says. This is the linchpin or the fulcrum or that on which everything else in the Scriptures depends or around which everything else in the Scriptures revolve. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Honor God with all that you are and all that you have. Give to God the best that you have. Bless God. Praise God, love God, give to God wholeheartedly, unreservedly, with abandon. 
And there are many people, that's what we do on Sunday mornings when we gather in this space. We shout, we lift up our voices, we pray, we bow down, we raise our hands. But to that commandment, Jesus attaches another from the book of Deuteronomy, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says that this second commandment is like the first. It is similar to the first. It is akin to the first. It is bound together with the first. The Pharisees who knew the scriptures better than anyone and who prided themselves on such asked Jesus which one, which one of the hundreds of commandments in their scriptures was most important, but Jesus couldn't give them just one. He gave them two because they go together, because they fit together. The second rounds out the first. The second embodies the first. The second completes the first. Some of us were deeply disappointed that we are not meeting together in this sacred space this morning to worship and love God. But the reason that we are not meeting together in this space this morning is out of love for our neighbors. Out of love for one another. Out of love for our neighbors. The best thing that we, that we can do for our neighbors in our neighborhood today is to not unknowingly pass on to a neighbor a sickness that could really harm them. None of us knows for sure right now whether or not we ourselves might have this virus. None of us knows. Nor do we know or are we sure that if we had the coronavirus that we would not pass it to someone else in this space if we had all gathered in this space as we normally do. Nor do we know that if on the chance one of us had the virus and passed it on to someone else accidentally during this space, that that person wouldn't also accidentally somehow pass it on to someone else and maybe someone else in our community or in our neighborhood or next door to us or in our circle who is more vulnerable than we are. We don't really know. And so as ironic and counterintuitive as it may be, Maybe the most loving thing that we can do for our neighbors and by extension in loving God this morning is to not gather all, not gather all together in this space. Are you with me? Are you with me at home? This is not so much about us not getting sick as it is about not getting the next person sick and the next person and the next person. There was something inside of me that wanted us to gather this morning in this space for worship, that wanted us, First Presbyterian Church, to still be open, so to speak, to somehow subtly in my mind and twisted heart think and believe that as all of the other churches and congregations in our area were shutting down, that we would be the last one standing, that we would be open for worship, that we alone would be the ones who are loving God with all of our hearts, minds, souls, and strength. But that wasn't love. That isn't love. That's pride. It was pride. And it is to love that Jesus calls us. And that love Jesus called saltiness. Going back to where we began in verse 13, you, the Greek word is plural, you all, y'all, y'all are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. 
A church that doesn't exhibit love for God through loving its neighbors is not much good for anything Jesus dares to say. And it bears no witness to the love of God and the God of love through itself, through themselves. And then Jesus said to his disciples in verse 14, you, again plural, y'all, the church, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. That would be crazy. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. God didn't make us to go into hiding. God didn't call us to himself and redeem us and reconcile us to himself. God didn't forgive our sin and give us a new identity in Christ in order for us, the church, to go into hiding. But what is a person to do in an age of social distancing? What are we to do? Love our neighbors. Love our neighbors. Be the salt. Be God's salt. Shine brightly. Love and serve our neighbors in our neighborhood. Just, just because we've been ordered by the authorities not to gather in groups of more than 50 or even groups of more than 10, just because we've been told to practice social distancing and isolation doesn't mean that we can't also love our neighbors. Someone is going to have to. No, someone is going to get to Care for those who cannot leave their homes, who should not leave their homes during what may end up being an awfully long season. Someone is going to get the high privilege of running errands for them, going to the grocery store for them, picking up a prescription for them, or just stopping in to a person who's all alone day after day and being present with them, listening, sharing, talking, visiting, extending to them the love of God in Jesus. Mother Teresa once wrote, the greatest disease in the West today is not tuberculosis or leprosy. It is being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for. We can cure physical diseases with medicine, but the only cure for loneliness, despair, and hopelessness is love, saltiness. There are many in the world who are dying for a piece of bread, but there are many more dying for a little love. The poverty in the West is a different kind of poverty. It is not only a poverty of loneliness, but also a poverty of spirituality. There's a hunger for love. There's a hunger for God. We can and we get to and we must love when and where others don't or, weren't or won't in the name of Jesus. As salt and as light, not hidden under a bushel, a day is coming and is already here. When people who have worked steady jobs have seen those jobs disappear in the midst and in the midst of COVID-19. Who will feed them? Who will pay their bills? Who will care for them? Who will love them? Church. I really have no idea what tomorrow will bring. I have no idea. I had no idea a week ago that we'd be in the place and in the way that we are today. I didn't foresee it. On Friday, there were 16 people in San Mateo County who had been diagnosed with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Yesterday, that, that number had jumped. It had doubled to 32. 
if that number doubles again and again and again, as some say it will or may, by this time next week, there will be 8,000 people in our county who have been diagnosed. Go a couple of more days, and that number will be over 100,000 people. Two weeks from now, we could be running a soup kitchen in destitute situations. A month from now, we could be running in Geneva Hall or in this space in the sanctuary. A clinic or a home or a sanctuary for the gravely ill in the way of Mother Teresa and her Sisters of Charity. We really don't know. And I'm not saying that we should ever neglect our own health and safety or the best practices of public health, but neither should we completely go into hiding, Jesus said. A girl I coached in soccer a number of years ago, she's in high school now, posted something on her mother's Facebook with her mother's permission yesterday evening. I want to read that. She says, hey there, this is Mima's daughter, Nicole. I'm a junior in high school. Because of the coronavirus, all of our neighborhood schools are closed and students are expected to learn through online classes. Because this is such a sudden change in learning for elementary schoolers and middle schoolers, I'm reaching out to see if anyone would like any extra help. This would be one-on-one, not group tutoring, so as to fight against the spread of the virus. And then she writes humorously, in case you're worried about paying for toilet paper, don't worry, this is completely free. Message my mom for more information or reply to this thread. And a high school girl is showing us how to do it. In the words of Mother Teresa, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. And certainly we can by the power of the Spirit within us and the way of Jesus guiding us. The experts tell us that COVID-19 is a dangerous contagion that must be treated seriously. And there are other equally in some ways, in some ways, dangerous contagions among us as well. Panic, fear, gossip, envy, greed. But what if love was also a contagion in and through Christ? What if, as I talked about last Sunday morning, we were as the church was in the second and third centuries when massive pandemics and epidemics swept the Mediterranean area? What if we were like them who came to those in need, sharing, loving, caring, blessing, tending those on their deathbeds? In the Christian community, There developed in the second and third centuries immunities to certain viruses that were pandemic at that time because that community had spent so much time caring for the ill and the dying and some of them also dying because of it. This is not a day that the church is closed and we wrestle with that as elders. Do we close the doors this morning? But I want to be really clear that the church is not closed because the church is not a building. The church is a people. And God is calling us to be salt, to be salty, to love as he loved, and to go out and radiate and shine as light in the darkness. The church is not closed. We are simply open differently. 
And I would say that this is our time. This is the church's time to rise up and to be the church, to be the people that Jesus called his disciples to be, that he invited them into this kingdom of love and to become agents and fishers of men, ambassadors and bearers, carriers not of a virus but of love. And so I would say, from the church to the world. If you need anything, if you need help, if you need food, if you need toilet paper, if you need medicine, if you have a need, if you need company, call the church, call the church office, email us, reach out to someone, let us know. To these sorts of things the church is called, and again, Jesus invites us into the kingdom. It seems counterintuitive that the kingdom might be coming as we prepare for the onslaught of this virus. But God's kingdom is still advancing in small ways like mustard seeds in us and among us and through us as we do God's will. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. The church is not closed. The church is open just differently. And this is our time, church. This is our time to be. Infected not with a virus, but infected with his love. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, may this be so. Let's pray. God, give us courage and give us strength. Sometimes our feet are heavy. Give us wisdom to know how to go and to be and to shine and to radiate and to love. Empower us with your spirit. Fill us with your love. Hold before us a new vision of a kingdom that can come in the midst of epidemic and a kingdom that can thrive even if our bodies don't. Show your power. Show your goodness. We love you and we honor you. In Christ the Lord. Amen.